Hello and welcome to episode number 33 of Investing from the Beach. I'm your host, I'm Chris Hansen. I've got my co-host with me today, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hey guys, it's Chris Lamb here. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Uh, quick background on the two of us. We uh, we both hit time freedom um, after having worked for, a, one of us worked for about a decade at IBM. I, the other guy, me, worked for about two decades at IBM. I got to time freedom when I was 40. Uh, Chris got there when he was about 30. And we met just as uh, Chris was, you were what, a sophomore in college maybe? As an intern at IBM, if I remember correctly? Yeah, it was about, uh, I think so. Sophomores, like just finished my sophomore year or something that summer. Yep, so I met him. Uh, we had talked a little bit before, but I was with him on his 21st birthday buying him a beer. And uh, we developed a great friendship over the years. We both hit time freedom via the stock market. There's a huge difference between what we call time freedom and what everybody else calls financial freedom. Time freedom means it takes very little of your time every day or every month to manage some wealth and generate income as opposed to financial freedom where you replace your job income with income, for example, from what people call quote-unquote passive real estate, which I've never seen be passive. It takes a, a chunk of time to have to manage it. But in our quest to achieve time freedom, we developed a great uh, great relationship, great friendship that's continued to grow and blossom over the years. And we've had countless discussions as to what it took and what it takes to get to time freedom. And the realization we both had um, separately, we've come to it collectively as well. 5% of this is how to do. It's the mechanics, the mindset, the cookbook, the rules, the what have you. And that's what everybody focuses on. And the elephant in the room that nobody wants to address is the 95%, excuse me, it's the 95% of this, which is the how to think. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast. In our last episode, we talked about a different way to think about getting a raise. And we talked in there about a 401k and the ability or one's ability to generate a ton more wealth via the 401k than you could ever make by getting a raise. We talked about the uh, not so much the how to do, but the how to think of it and what it what it means to get a couple of extra percentage points per year annually as gains on the 401k and the impact of that in the long term and the compounded effect, the compounded effect of that over a number of decades, even a number of years is huge and it dwarfs what you can get in a pay raise. But in order yeah, or, or even the uh, total amount of income that you make. You know, in yeah. your lifetime. Yes. Yeah. Forget yeah. about a raise. It, it'll it'll dwarf what you could make just in a year to year salary. But in order to do that, you can't just simply call up your favorite financial advisor and say, "Hey, I want to make a few more percentage points in my in my four hundred one k." It's not going to work that way. They're going to think look at you like you're nuts and tell you it can't be done. In reality, it can, but you're going to have to put in the effort to learn how. Yeah, unless unless it's the uh, the financial advisor we recently met. <laughs> he's <laughs> 29 years in the industry you know <laughs> listen since we're into bashing people today let's just tell them the whole story so chris and i did yeah, you you can tell well yeah <laughs> i hope you're not listening to this um we uh we put together a uh, a meetup group to talk about how to manage a 401k. And we met, and it just kind of opened to the public. We met in a restaurant. And I don't know, give or take a dozen people showed up. And one guy uh, showed up who, during his intro, he wouldn't say what firm he worked for, refused to say. 
but going through this, he said he'd been doing this for 29 years and had amassed a, a nice, a princely sum. And uh, I made it a point in the intros to point out, I pointed at Chris and I said, you know, he retired at 30. And I'm not sure that our uh, esteemed financial advisor realized the significance of the fact that he was working, he's been working for as many years at this as it took you to retire. But it was a, a very humorous, enlightening a different way to think from, and I'm sure, you know, he should, he's probably right. He should never listen to somebody that's unemployed <laughs> and that's been unemployed for 15 years. Um, but you had the best line, which I thought was just phenomenal. It's like, dude, w- w- should somebody listen to you? <laughs> Why should a guy without a job listen to somebody with a job about how to manage money? I'm not sure that he quite understood what to do with that, but yeah, I mean, we we didn't. I didn't say that to him, but you know, <laughs> no, it was kind of in your head, right, right in my well, head. You said it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope, I, I hope he's uh, listening to this, or he will listen to this podcast at some point. I mean, you know, I don't think we told him about it, but um, it would help him. The um, you know, I, I think most of those guys they uh, because they've been brainwashed in the industry that they're in. And so, you know, they're not out there to look at what else they can do to help themselves, right? Um, versus, you know, they're out there with kind of this hammer and going, let me see which nail I can hammer, right? Yes, yep. What's There's a, I, I believe that it's a Japanese saying that <clears throat> when, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So. Yeah, and even the, at the end of, uh, you know, hearing all that that you discussed about what you could do with your 401k, the guy was still, you know, coming out, hey, the best advice I can give you is, Go talk to a financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> and he's right. He should. I mean, you should never listen to two unemployed guys that you know yeah. that can't or I don't know if we can't, but don't want to work. Yeah. So he he's got a good point. My my. But, but how is, about getting educated, right? Yeah, my how tongue is stuck go, go very deep in my cheek. It was an interesting evening. I'll just leave it at that. But the point is, as you're going to, <laughs> I still can't believe you brought that up. But the point is, if you're going to go get educated on this, it's, it is going to pull you away um, from time and obligation with friends and family. And some of them are going to be okay with it, and others not going to like it. And you got to be prepared and ready for that reality. Along those lines, we had a message that came into our voicemail line uh, from a listener, Dennis, in California. And by the way, if you want to leave us a message on that, if you've got suggestions or ideas for a topic uh, that number 747-24-BEACH. Uh, we'd love to get them, but let me play this message for you. What he talk, what Dennis left us a message about is how you deal with family and relationships with people who don't share your passion, your vision, your understanding when it comes to managing money. But let's hear, uh, let's hear Dennis's voice and hear it the way that Dennis was saying it. Hello, Chris and Chris. This is Dennis calling from down in California. I want to first of all thank you guys for all the hard work that you guys do to educate people and uh, to become becoming investors. I would like to suggest a topic um, that it has to do with the relationships, uh, you know, family, friends. Um, I am uh, currently in the journey of becoming an investor myself. And, um, you know, I, I find it a lonely road when it comes to uh, talking about this topic with people. And they typically people just uh, smile and, and nod and, you know, just blow off the fact that, uh, uh, somebody can really make a um, 
time freedom happen for them. And so I wanted to see if you guys can discuss how to handle relationships um, or, you know, what mentality said we should have. And thank you so much. And you guys uh, do great work. Thank you so much. Take care. So Dennis brought up a, key, a few key points there. One was that he said, look, it's a lonely road. You know, it's it's kind of, it's not a team sports. So we can talk about that a little bit. And he talked about, uh, you know, what do you do with family and friends who don't share your, your, your vision or don't share your passion for pursuing this, this elusive thing that people may not grasp, which is time freedom. And, and you know, if you, you want to hold that thought right there, um, I think earlier you said, uh, I guess doing this will pull you away from friends or family and you know, with obligations and stuff. Uh, it's going to, it's going to take some time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like anything that you do takes time. The, 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 the difference with this is not everybody. It's, this is not common. People don't put in time to learn about money and finance. And so that's why it's when you, what you're doing is different for them. So they, they act differently. They think it's weird. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. if you said, Hey, I'm going to go to school to learn to be a whatever it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, people go. Oh, I get it. You might get some pushback on it, but they understand because that's a common thing that people will do. Even if you're the first person in your family to go to college, I mean, they may think it's weird if I said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to be a ballerina," but they probably wouldn't. They would be okay with it. Then you know, uh, let me put all this time in learning about money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ballerina. Ballerina. Yeah, <laughs> the weirdest thing that you would think I would do, but. Well. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> okay. You know, if I told you, hey, you didn't know me, Chris, you know, I'd say, hey, I'll be a ballerina. And I spend a lot of time doing that. You know, oh, okay, cool. Okay. Like, since we're, since you brought that up, I have a great story related to this. I've got a, a, a godson who mm-hmm. was very much into ballet. And when he was in high school and early in college, he was given a lot of grief for it. And the kid is a ladies' man. He, um, he I, I don't know if it's, how do I say this politely and not, I'm sure I'm going to walk a gray line here. The I guess the perception is that there may be a number of male ballet dancers that are gay. And he had to deal with a little bit of that from friends or people that didn't know him. And as he was telling me the story, it was a few years ago, he was telling me the story. He was at a party, I think it was in college. And he walks into a bar group, whatever, and there's these big burly football types. And it came out that this guy was a a ballet dancer. And one of the football players looked at him and kind of looked at him sideways and just kind of shook his head kind of, you know, in a, in a disgusted way. And my buddy, Condescending. Yeah, exactly. My, mm-hmm. like, hey, come on, dancer. My buddy looked at him and he said, let's be sure and understand what each of us do. He said, what I get to do he said, I have this very slim, petite, beautiful female in fabulous shape. And he said, I have lots of people watching me. And he said, I get to put my hands in many places on the female body that, but he said, my hands go all over her body and it's totally fine. It's part of the routine. And he said, and it's very accepted. Nobody complains. He said, you, Mr. Football Player, on the other hand, what you do is you bend, you get in a big group with a bunch of guys, you put your arms around each other, and then if you're the quarterback, you have the guy kneel down, kind of squat down, bend over, and you put your hands right up in his crotch, 
And then you slap each other on the butt and you do all that. And you ask which one of us is gay. (laughs) (laughs) So I've always loved that story. So, so I have a different appreciation for what a male ballerina does. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure that wasn't why you said you wanted to be a ballerina, but no, but you know, back to learning about money and finance, people will think it's weird. Oh yeah, it's right? different. Because it's not you don't hear that a lot of people put in time and energy to do that. And so when you hear about that, all of a sudden they think it's some type of voodoo or something weird. They'll kind of shy away from it and not be, you know, hey, cool, keep going or encourage you. They've never heard of it, and it, yep. like you said, it's it's very foreign. And so yeah, you tend to you know may not get as much support encouragement won't have you because people just don't get it but there will be some right they'll yeah. understand why you're spending time learning how to get your money to make it or to make sure. money but others won't and yeah. and then and then you have some people that think they understand something about money and they have their own philosophy and they'll try to mm-hmm. interject you know their thoughts into what you should be doing and so you get to have the the look over your, or the look at them to to kind of say if that's the person or how do I say this? Are they take a look at their situation and is that how you wish to become? And if you like the way that they appear to be financially, and it doesn't mean that they drive a, that they drive a nice car and live in a nice house, you got to do a deeper look. But if you like where they are at, then listen to how they do it. If you don't like how they're at, you just get to sit there politely and listen and nod and smile and do your own thing once they leave. And so you'll find that some people will get it when you say you want to do the financial freedom stuff. Others won't. And those that don't, you know, some are going to just roll their eyes at you and not worry about it, but they let you do your thing. And then you're going to find other people are going to be, uh, I guess, negative or kind of discourage you from taking a, from taking a swing at it. And you're going to have to learn to deal with with both personalities and both approaches. Was that his uh, question around family? Uh, yes, family and friends. Mm-hmm. And then he also mentioned in there about how you handle relationships when there's a different perspective. And I, I'm not sure he's talking about, I don't, I'm going to assume he's not just talking about a, um, like a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband mm-hmm. relationship, but just gender, any kind of relationship when, you, when people come at it from a different perspective. So in, in thinking about that, I think you'd take a big step back and look at it from the big picture. You and I have talked about this many, many times. It is vitally important that you associate with people who help you or can help you get to whatever goal it is that you're trying to do. Oh yeah, super important. You want to associate with people that either are working toward the same goal or are already there. And it's not that we, you know, we knew that all of our lives, right? No, no, you fit. Yeah. It sounds very obvious, but you don't yeah. figure that out until later on. Yeah. Trial and error and mm-hmm. through experience. Yep. Yeah. You got to skin your knees a bunch and, you know, kind of fall down and get back up and figure out what's going on and what's wrong before you realize that. And that could be on, you know, it could be, you know, earlier today, you and I were talking about um, physical fitness, right? And I was sharing with you, I was swinging a kettlebell and you were saying, well, and you know, the kind of a, a doctor's request or order, whatever you call it, to stay under a certain weight just because all the garbage going on with my arm before. You said you're already too big. Yeah, exactly. That's weightlifting. Yeah, huge muscular and Chris Hansen are not words you hear in the same sentence. 
but you had some great insight on different ways that I could look at doing that. Right. And that's because you've, you've studied this a lot, right. And you've got the physique and a look and God, what you're saying makes sense. But if I were to tell you, here's how you get in shape, you'd look at me with a sight, you just listen to me and then you'd laugh when I hung up the phone. <laughs> right. Cause if it were, you know, I used to do triathlons a lot. So for something like triathlons, you'd probably listen, but something with regard to physique and that, Mm -hmm. I'm not the guy to be uh, distilling advice. Mm -hmm. And so you want to be... Well, unless you read a book about it, man. I understand. But even then, but it's not... <laughs> it's kidding. Yeah, I understand. But it's not, uh, it's not walking the talk. It's important, I think, to be sure you're associating with people that, one, are on your path, and also have some of those that are further down the path can guide you to try and get there. Because you're going to find when you hit challenges on whether it's pursuing that goal or anything outside of that, the challenge will be a lot easier to handle if you've got a supportive environment around you. And it could be a challenge related to that specific goal or some kind of obstacle obstacle gets tossed in your path that affects that goal, but it's not really that not related to the goal. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a I guess something I learned that stuck out to me. Uh, one of my buddy in college said something about relationships, right? Or related to relationships. He said, you know, just, it's just something simple. Hey, everyone is different. And just that simple understanding, if you can accept it, there will always be people that will not see things the way you see it, no matter what. Right? And a lot of times there are people related to you or those you've known most of your life. Right? And you just got to accept it. It's okay. You, you hang out with people that are more like you, more like who you want to be. Right? Don't worry about the rest. And I think also when you're young, you don't realize that. Because the, we were talking about earlier today, you were at the park with, uh, with your daughter, right? She's all of 18 mm -hmm. months old. And as she was, you know, playing with whatever kids that she has seen there now, she's seen them a few times. Mm -hmm. So they're quote unquote friends, but, you know, they don't know each other's names. They might recognize each other. And they squawk when one another, you know, goes and plays with one another's toys. But those kids over the next three, four, five years are going to be in her kindergarten class. It's funny in that environment, all of a sudden you, you feel this little negative energy that everybody's defensive when you, <laughs> oh, with kids. Could you tell? <laughs> you can tell. Oh, yeah. Everybody's watching out for their toy toys. <laughs> mm -hmm. You get that. But now that same group of kids, assuming people mm -hmm. don't move, now those will be the ones that show up for you'll be running in that same circle with kids' birthday parties, right? And then they'll end up in junior high, and you know, you'll know you have some of them in the cars you drive them to or from events. And that'll go on through high school. You know, you have some of these people you can say, gosh, I've, you know, I've, been, hang I've been playing with this person since I was in you know kindergarten. Yeah, you didn't really make a selection. It was just kind of... It was just because they happen to have the same zip code or live on the same street. They were in your environment. Yep. But it wasn't because they think like you do. And as you then branch out into college and get onto the workforce and grow into adulthood, now you realize that some of those people that you grew up with, you do share similar vision, passion, uh, goal, direction. And other people, not at all. And there's nothing wrong with that. As you get smarter at this, you want to choose your friends based not necessarily on geography, but based on those, you're going to choose those who believe in you, believe in your ability and are pursuing a similar path. And sometimes you don't have much of a choice. Like you said, you know, if it's people that are around you, 
just from a geographic standpoint, or it could be relatives. It doesn't mean you don't ever deal with them, but you're going to have a um, a different level of uh, intimacy, for lack of a better word, different level of discussion, different level of thoughts and commentary and things that you go pursue. Because, I mean, a different way of thinking about that. We talked earlier about, the, you know, when you go through any kind of a life challenge, right, how much easier it is when you've got a supportive environment around you. Look at it from the other side. Look at people around you who, that you know who are struggling through whatever kind of challenge life is throwing at them. If they're struggling, more often than not, they're usually surrounded by people who are not supportive. Yeah, of, you see that a lot. It's mm-hmm. the people with the drama and, you know, the negativity or just, just a, a yeah, tough way of thinking that, you know, brings a lot of problems and issues into life. It's drama. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're around those type of people, you you will attract that, right? It'll come to you if you don't have it. And if you're not that way, you know exactly, you can spot it. If you are that way, you may not recognize it. And if other people have told you about that, you might, you know, if you hear that consistently, there might be a message there. You need to do a good look in the mirror. Well, there's a common saying that uh, in order to grow, you need to be uncomfortable. Right? That that does not apply to relationships. You, you should be comfortable in relationship. You shouldn't have to force or feel forced. Right? There shouldn't be much friction in good relationships. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And the only thing that would be uncomfortable would be if that relationship stretches you to grow. Mm-hmm. Different than makes you Yeah, challenges. Yep. Exactly. Correct. Challenges in a yeah. good way. Yeah. Yeah, versus, you know, problematic or dealing with problems. Mm-hmm. Right? Challenges is different. Challenging to be better. Yeah, I think what you'll find is if you, I heard somebody say this a long time ago, I thought, wow, that was a great way to put it. And it sounds a little harsh the first time you hear it. If you imagine that, you know, your, uh, your life, for lack of a better word, is a boat. And you look at those people that are around you, around in your, your circle of friends, circle of acquaintances, circle of coworkers everybody is somehow riding on your boat. There are a few people that are blowing wind in your sail and they're the ones that are helping your, your boat progress, helping you, you know, do what needs to get done, overcome challenges, pushing toward a goal. And again, you get, you know, so one set of people is blowing wind in your sail. You got another set of people that are really just along for the ride. They're not really blowing wind in your sail, but they're not being negative. They're not slowing you down. And then you get the third group of, group of people that are really just kind of boat anchors and they're slowing you down. You got to identify who those boat anchors are and figure out how to get them off the boat. Um, that doesn't mean you never speak to them again. It doesn't mean you erase their numbers off the phone. I don't mean it that way. What it means is that you figure out how to not let them slow you down. Do not give them that kind of power. You don't let them get in your head. You don't take their negative energy, the negative attitude or anything, because it will pollute your brain. I think a lot of times people don't recognize that people are boat anchors because, uh, or or they don't recognize the boat anchors around them. Um, It's because they don't know where they're sailing to. Great point. When you know where you're sailing to, then you, you start to recognize who are the people slowing you down. Or you really recognize the ones that are helping you get there. Exactly. It's just both ways. Yes. Right. But you, you always want to put yourself around that environment where it's going to help you succeed in anything that you're trying to 
you know, get to, whatever your boat is trying to sail to. You know, you always have that destination. And so you're trying to get rid of the anchors or mm-hmm. say there's a better way to say get rid of. I don't know what that what that is, but it's really don't let them slow you down. Well, get out of that environment, I think. Uh, but some of that, you know, if you've got family members, mm-hmm. right, it's not that you're going to never talk to a parent, a sibling, a cousin or whatever. But well, you don't, you, you, it's not, um, you don't talk to them. It's just, you don't let them be a boat anchor to you anymore. Or you don't talk to them about that particular topic. Yeah. Or whatever it is that, you know, that's causing them to be the anchor to you. If, if that is the topic that brings it up and becomes, you know, negative or it's, it's dragging you, you know, uh, or slowing you down, then don't, don't talk about it. Uh, don't let their negative energy get onto you. Mm-hmm. Don't not let them pollute your brain. They're not paying your rent. Don't let them. Don't let them occupy space in your brain, off stuff in an area where they haven't earned the right to be there, and you don't want yeah. them to be. And I think um, you know. I, I I thought I thought a lot about um, just people related to you and family, Chris. Mm-hmm. And I was just observing around, and I came to kind of a understanding or a conclusion that I was like, hey, at some point in the you know, your blood, your relation line, right? Usually about maybe three generations, like the family will really become disconnected. Like, you don't, they don't, you're not going to know who the other person is. Um, you think about it, Chris, you know, you don't know who your cousin's kids are. No, that's true. Yeah. And I've got a different cousin on the other side of the country. Yeah. You're a kid, right? Nope, that's true. So it's like, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm get, making it, I'm being generous to say it's a, like three generations, but the, when you observe that, so to me, it's that's very normal. And, you know, it's probably normal for a good reason. Some of it may be ge- ge- geographic. Mm-hmm. But even if it's not geographic, I think you hit on the nose, there's, at some point, there's a, it's not a negative splintering, but there's a splintering. Yeah, it's because you're not alike. You don't have common interests. You don't have so you you tend to not be really in each other's circle. Yes, and and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not negative. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't want to let the negative energy. Don't let the boat anchors bring you down. And if you think of those who are blowing wind in your sail, if you like who you are you should be hanging out with people that are like you and they're helping you. You're helping them. It's uh, uh what's it? There's a biological term on that. I can't remember what it is, but it's a uh, symbiotic relationship. I think is the term they use for that. But on the other hand, if you don't like who you are, if you don't like where you're going, you got to find a different path, find a different set of people who are what you want to become and then watch what they do. Right. If that means you, you get them out to lunch or dinner or something to learn from them, do that. Don't call up everybody. <laughs> Neither one of us wants to get a whole bunch of lunch and dinner phone calls. I don't mean it that way. If you're saying, I want to get to time freedom. It's not about that. But it could be, you know, you're listening to the podcast. You're watching what somebody is doing. You observe their behavior. You read what they read. It all goes back to it's about the mindset. Yeah, you're really trying to pick their mind. Um, you're, you're trying to hang out with people with the right mindset or with the mindset you want to have. It's not so much of the how to do part, right, Chris? Correct. Again, it's all about the mindset. 
So, you know, back to the first, I think, concern about learning the stock market, it's it's lonely, he said. Yes. Dennis said it's lonely. Yep. And, and yes, it is lonely. Uh, you, you have to get used to it. Um, you think about in the news all the time, all the high-profile, well-known investors, they're all highlighted as a person, a single person, never mentioned as a group. When they come on CNBC, they don't interview you know, Buffett and his team, they interview Buffett. Mm-hmm. They don't interview Ackman and his team, they interview Ackman. Carl Icahn, they bring on one guy, one woman. And the reason for that, we all have to make the decision on whether or not or when to press the enter key to buy something and when to press the enter key to sell it. Yep, no one's there gonna, to, to, to help you. No, they're not going to pat you on the back, they're not going to kick you in the butt. And you're the only one that knows your results. And I guess your accountant will know your results at the end of the year. Um, but nobody else knows. And so nobody else cheers you. There's no manager that looks over your shoulder and says, good job, give him a raise. And, and it's no actually a negative you. to have you know, a team. When you're learning the, the stock market, it actually handicaps you and slows you down. Why is that? Because I think you're going to feel less confident if you rely on others. And when you don't feel confident doing what you're doing, you're not going to grow. And if you do really well, uh, the others are going to slow you down. And if the others are doing really well, they're going to not want to hang out with you. Because <laughs> yeah. you're going to slow them down. Eventually, they'll figure it out. So you're going to end up being with all the guys that are slowing each other down. I, you and I have had this discussion about when you go to... I won't name the investing strategy, but there's an investing strategy around a, a publication. And you can find meetup groups where people get together and, and chat about this. And you've always had the great line on that saying, why would I want to go to that? Because everyone that's going there is looking for the answers. None of them have the answers, but they look to each other. Say, do you yeah. know what you're doing? No. <laughs> How about you? No. Okay, well, let's sit around and talk about what we don't know. Yeah, they're going to share. Hey, let me show you what's not working. <laughs> But they're going to say like it works. So they're going to come home with, you know, 500 different methods to do something that doesn't work, but they think it's going to work. And, and you can see it a different way if you go into a chat room. Um, you find all kinds of trading chat rooms. And I've had countless people come up and say, oh, I heard such and such in a chat room. And Chris, when was the last time you were in a, tra- a trading chat room? Never. I haven't been in one in probably 15 to 20 years. When I first heard about it, it's like, what is this? And you look on there and like, oh, some of these people pretty obviously have no clue. What yeah, because if- usually when I go to a chat room, I, I don't have a clue what I'm doing, right? So I go to a chat room to you know, start there, figure out something, and you know, maybe have some lead somewhere to go start somewhere. Correct. Right. And all the people that go to the chat rooms are like me. Yeah, and because if you think about it, once you know what you're doing, you're not going to waste your time in a chat room because yeah. you're not you're not going to get any benefit from it. Um, yeah, we are, all all the participants show up because they don't know anything. Correct. <laughs> and so you end up with, generally speaking, a whole bunch Junk. of uninformed people. Not going to yeah, help it's, you. It's it's a bunch of uh, apps with uh, un, no rating. Yes. Well, welcome. You know, be be the first user. Correct. And so you say when people ask me, hey, should I get into a mastermind group or, a, you know, kind of a group thing? The way I point it out to people is to say, imagine you get in a group of three or four or five or however big it is. There's going to be one person in there 
that has the strongest personality. And there's going to be one person in there that has more of the quiet personality. If the person with the strongest personality knows what they're doing, they're going to soon get tired of the person that doesn't say anything. And the group will split as a result. On the other hand, if the person with the strongest personality doesn't know what they're doing, they're going to lead the others down the wrong path. Stuff's not going to work and the group will splinter because it's failing. And you never know if the, stronger, the strongest personality isn't trying to mislead anybody. If, if you go down the wrong path, it, it's not on purpose. They don't know. And so it's a no-win situation. Because if you are the leader, quote-unquote, just based on your personality and knowledge, at some point you realize, you know, if you're, the, if you're the brains of the outfit, why do you need these extra three, four bodies tagging along? If you need validation or affirmation to know you're good, you got an ego issue or you got a self-esteem issue. Yeah, and learning the stock market, you really got to be in tune with your emotions and having people uh, or doing it as a group is not going to help you with your emotions, right? Because now you got to deal with that many other emotions, you know, <laughs> influencing your emotions. Yep, because now yeah. you deal with somebody else's negative stuff who's not in your bank balance at all. Mm -hmm. But that person gets in your head. So that was one thing Dennis talked about was the lonely road. The next thing he said was, hey, how do you deal with family and friends who don't share your passion or the passion of your vision to get to time freedom? I think we answered it. I think we got that one. And then the third thing that I picked up there was how do you handle relationships when there's a different perspective that you both bring to it? When they're different perspective in regards to? However you want to do it. He didn't describe He didn't go into detail. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I think they're all kind of a blend of what we talked about. Mm -hmm. right? It just comes down to uh, how do you see things, um, what do you value, and and hang out with people that are more like you if you really just stick with that, um, or more like people you want to be like. And like Chris mentioned, you're going to make that change, right, if you're not there. And it could be some of that frustration, I don't know if that's the right word for it, that he may be sensing, is that people that are close to him aren't seeing this the way that he is. And he wants to grab them by the shoulders and shake them and say, my gosh, look yeah. how great this is. <laughs> and they don't want to see it. Yeah. I think we all deal with that because uh, I think if you care, right, when you see something that's really good and the more you care, the more uh, problems you're going to have because you're going to be all over and try to get somebody to you know, take action and do something about it. Yep. And then, like I said, you just learn. And it goes back to what I said earlier when I my, my came back to when I was in college. My buddy mentioned, he said, hey, everyone is different. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I took that to heart. Hey, everyone is different. Accept it. Does not matter what you tell them or what. You're just never going to do it. I had a, You're uh, not going to see things the way you see it, no matter what. I had a great discussion this morning. I don't think I shared it with you. A guy we both know brought his teenage, couple of teenage daughters to a stock class that I was teaching. And we just finished up the last one just this past weekend. And I was talking to him today on something different. I said, hey, by the way, how did they, how'd they get it? How'd they react? What'd they think? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, you know, it's going to take a while. They're going to get it. And he said, but you know, there's not, you know, as a 16, 17 year old, I don't think it grabs you the same as it does as a 26 year old. And I made the comment and I said, you know, I think people get it 
the desire to do this. In some people, it comes early on. Other people, it comes later on. That's fine. But I think where everybody starts to get it is after they work for a little bit and they run into you know the headaches of having a job, then they realize, oh, this is why dad was telling me to get my money working for me. So I don't have to deal with this stuff if I don't want to. And I said, but, you know, as, as much as you want to, you know, push the, push the horse to water and, you know, push their head in the water and make them drink, I said, you can't do it because if you push it too hard on the kids, they're going to rebel and balk. And so you, you put it out there, you enable it, and hopefully they come around, at some point they come around to it. As we were kind of talking, thinking metaphors and analogies, I said, you know, it's, it's to me, it's similar to, you know, if you've been in a major city, it's at some point you've walked past somebody standing on a milk crate with a, uh, a megaphone or a bullhorn, and they're holding a picket sign that says, you know, John three fourteen and Jesus saves or something like that, and they're out there spouting on their Christian ideals, and they're talking about how great and wonderful God is Christianity and blah 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 blah, and they'll do it on a busy street corner, and you got thousands and thousands of people walking past them they're either the best salesperson because they've got the thickest skin because they don't mind getting rejected thousands of times or they're the worst salesperson because they haven't figured out that their success rate is, you know, maybe one out of a hundred thousand or whatever the number is, but they're so fervent in their belief that they're willing to stand up there and preach about it. And some of us find it annoying. Some just turn or back. It doesn't matter, but they don't care. And you'll find as you, if you try and take that same approach on your quest for time freedom, people are going to turn you off. And so you learn just to keep your mouth shut. And those that share your passion, you'll be able to see it even before you say a word about you pursuing it. You know, someone who's, uh, I'm sure a Christian can spot a Christian probably is one way to do it. And not to get religious on this, but it's similar in that you can spot when somebody, either through their actions, comments, or words, in that in their quest to get money working for them, and then you yeah, see, I think you'll recognize when you when you meet someone, meet somebody, and see it right away. I think over time, you'll be able to see who really has the the, the kind of the mindset to be able to do this stuff. Yeah, you can't force it on them. Exactly. It, it's it's similar to in the MLM business, where you know the if you've ever been recruited into an MLM business once you're in the first thing that you hear is okay you know draw me up a list of your 10 closest people and let's go talk to them about this and see if we can get them to join the business and the idea is you try and get your friends to join the business and you'll find and we've all probably been approached and some of us are in MLM and have done the approaching it rarely works but what seems to work better is if you find someone that shares the passion for the business, they become your friend mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to get your friend to share your passion for the business. Yeah. And so you just have to keep your eyes open to find someone that thinks like you do and you'll develop an instant chemistry. And those will be some of the best relationships you'll ever have. And those will last a lifetime or at least as long as the, the passion for the similar pursuit exists. Yeah, I had a, I had a struggle with that, you know, Chris. Uh, you know, learning the stock market and seeing the power of the stock market and what it can allow you to do, and you know, you get excited and you try. I try to share that with everyone I meet, right? Especially you know, with close families and friends. And after a while, you just kind of learn. You're like, all right, you know, 
you you just spend more time helping the people that want to be helped. Correct. Yeah, and it's just much easier that way. You're, you're not gonna. You won't get uh, frustrated. Yeah, you won't be frustrated. You know, just life becomes easy. Um, you know, people when they're ready and they can see things, then that's the time that you help them. But like I said, it's there's no need to force anything. Right? And then and then the soon, I guess the sooner you can recognize it, the easier it'll be to handle those type of relationships. There's some there's a saying, and I'm going to get it wrong, but it's something along. It's like trying to teach a pig to sing. You get frustrated, the pig gets frustrated, and it doesn't work. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, so don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. And there's a better way. I can't remember how it goes, but it's something like that. That was uh, Munger or something. It might have been. It might have been. Yeah. It might have been. The big thing on this is in order to be a success, in order to be happy, you got to surround yourself with the right kind of people. And it's the people that are right for you in whatever quest it is that you're whatever path you're on pursuing and so it it boils down to when you think about it your happiness and your success it's all due to how you think and that's really the bottom line on all of this any closing thoughts for us there oh wise one um can you top that that was a pretty good one i just came up with yeah i I don't like the word close so we just leave it opening thoughts. <laughs> that works too. Yeah. If you have ideas or suggestions, by the way, Dennis, thank you for leaving us the voicemail message. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Um, if you have ideas or suggestions for an upcoming episode, a topic you'd like us to discuss or address, please leave us a voicemail message. Uh, we've got a bunch of them that we're going to be including over the next few episodes and we'd be thrilled to, uh, to hear yours. We can add something in there. We'd be uh, more than happy to offer our, I won't even say expert, and I put it in quotes because I'm joking, but we can offer our input on that. But if you leave a, leave us a voicemail message, 747-24-BEACH. Uh, works out to be 747-242-3224. Uh, voicemail, that's a voicemail number. Email is investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. Would much prefer you put it in voicemail. Uh, you can hit our website, investingfromthebeach.com where you've got access to the podcast. There's a book list up there as well. And as always, on this episode and prior episodes, and I know on subsequent episodes, if you'll put to work the ideas and the concepts that we discuss, you'll get to the point where you can reach time freedom. And time freedom to us equates to Tuesday waves. The waves on the beach on a Tuesday are far, far better sounding than any waves you'll ever hear on a weekend. And it's our belief that you'll, if you'll engage and employ what we've talked about, you too can get to the point where all you listen to are Tuesday waves, and they are definitely the way to go. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to speaking to you next time.